Welcome to YEGMS episode number 40. With legalization of marijuana coming on October 17th, and I think it's the 9th today as I'm recording this, I wanted to talk about CBD oil and multiple sclerosis. And not sorry, not specifically CBD oil, but cannabidiol and how it may be used to help the people help people living with MS improve their lives. So I decided to look at some recent research on CBD oil and multiple sclerosis. So I went to PubMed and I found a paper and I, I should preface that I just decided to find just take a random paper that was published in 20 in 2018 and I didn't read it before I decided to choose uh, to, to choose it for this episode and to focus on this episode. So I'm going through the uh, the academic journal paper. I had no idea if it would, the outcome was going to be positive or negative. I thought that was the best way to do it, just, just to take any bias out, out of it. And as it turns out, uh, the paper that I chose was positive about CBD and how it may improve things for somebody with MS. Now, I will keep referring to CBD, uh, to, to the, the compound in marijuana, as CBD. Actually, I should, maybe I should explain that a bit first. So there's a lot of misconceptions about marijuana. And a lot of those misconceptions surround how it's perceived culturally. And since it's been a prohibited substance in Canada, the United States, and most parts of the Western world for all of our lifetimes, or for parts of our lifetimes, if you're in one of the states in the United, if you're one of the in the United States in a state where legalization's already happened, there is a lot of uh, negative associations. And a lot of negative stereotypes that associated with marijuana. But for the purposes of the discussion or what I'm talking about today, it's important to know that there are approximately 60 cannabinoids contained within marijuana. And of those 60 or so cannabinoids, the two that are most frequently focused on are cannabidol, cannabidol and tetrahydrocannabinol, cannabinol, sorry. And those are more frequently referred to as CBD and THC. And it's important to distinguish between those two compounds because it's THC that produces the high when people smoke it or have edibles or um, however, however they consume it. And that, and THC is what the recreational user 
likes about marijuana. Now there has there have been people that have suggested that THC has some therapeutic benefit, but I'm not going to focus on that here. I don't think enough research has been done um, for me to comfortably say. But maybe in a future episode, I will focus on THC. But for our purposes here, I'm focusing on CBD. Now CBD does not produce a high when you consume a strain of marijuana which is CBD which has been bred to be CBD dominant so for example myself I take a milligram of CBD oil every morning it doesn't make me high I frequently take it and then go for a run go to work go about my day now this should also be I should also note that I've had my prescription for cannabis for medical cannabis in Canada for about two years. So I'm reasonably and I buy it from a licensed producer, a licensed medical producer. So I'm reasonably confident that the CBD oil that I'm consuming has virtually no THC in it which is why I'm comfortable taking it in the morning and I'm not worried about getting high. So that said, I just think it's important to preface what I'm about to talk about to make sure that anyone listening has an understanding of what medical cannabis is versus, you know, street pot you could buy from a, a pot dealer. The stuff I consume comes from a, a facility that's licensed to produce medical marijuana and then there's a government regulatory, regulatory body that checks for what it's worth. Anyway, so the paper I looked at, looked at, and these papers, they always have really, <laughs> really catchy names. So the name of the paper is Cannabidol to improve mobility in people with multiple sclerosis. And it was written, it was authored by Thorsten Rudroff and Jacob Sosnoff. And they're from the Department of Health and Exercise Science at Colorado State University. Again, I found it on PubMed. So if you Google PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D, it's an academic website where you can, you know, you can search different academic journals and papers. You can find it there, and I will also leave a link to the actual paper on the companion notes to this episode on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. So if you go to ownmultiplesclerosis.com, click on episode 40, and you'll see it in the, in the body of the blog post, if you, if you care to read it yourself. So to start off, I'm going to read the first two paragraphs of the, art, of the paper. Actually, scratch it. I'm going to read the first three paragraphs of the paper. Multiple sclerosis is a demyelinating disease of the central nervous system that affects an estimated 2.3 million people worldwide. The symptoms of MS are highly varied but frequently include pain, muscle specificity, 
fatigue, inflammation, and depression. These symptoms often lead to reduced physical activity, negative, negatively impact, let me start that sentence over. These symptoms often lead to a reduced physical activity, negatively impact functional mobility, and have a detrimental impact on patients' quality of life. Although recent years have seen a significant advances in disease-modifying therapy, none of the current treatments halts or cures MS-related symptoms. As a consequence, many people with MS look for an alternative and complementary therapies such as cannabis. The cannabis plant contains many biologically active chemicals, including approximately 60 cannabinoids, cannabidiol, or CBD, and THC are typically the most, con are typically the most concentrated chemical components of cannabis and believed to be the and believed to primarily drive therapeutic benefit. There is evidence that CBD has a number of beneficial pharmacological effects. It is an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antipsychotic, and neuroprotective. The review, sorry, the review of 132 original studies by Bergamaschi and others describes the safety profile of CBD by highlighting that catalepsy is not induced and physiological parameters such as heart rate, blood pressure, and body temperature are not altered. Moreover, psychomotor and psychological functions are not negatively affected. High doses of up to 1,500 milligrams per day and chronic use have been repeatedly shown to be well tolerated by humans. Additionally, there is also evidence that CBD may reduce the negative psychotropic effects, memory impairment, and appetite stimulation, anxiety, and psychotic-like states of THC while enhancing its positive therapeutic actions. Currently, many people with MS utilize cannabis to man manage a variety of symptoms. Kindred and others show, showed in a web-based survey, which was hosted by the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, that 66% of people with MS currently use cannabis for symptom treatment. Furthermore, a study from Canada found that approximately 50% of people with MS would consider the usage of cannabis if its legal status was clear and scientific evidence was available. Cannabis is legal in 29 states for the use of specific medical condition, conditions, including MS. 16 more states have passed laws that explicitly allow the medical use of CBD. It is suggested that recent, in, sorry, it is suggested that recent increases in the social acceptance of CBD will lead to increases in the number of people with MS using cannabis to treat their symptoms. Anecdotal reports indicate 
that an increasing number of people with MS use cannabis as a supplement to improve their mobility. Based on the following considerations, it is our opinion that CBD supplementation may be advisable for people with MS to re reduce fatigue, pain, specificity, and ultimately improve mobility. Sorry, that was a long quote, but I felt that I would, it, it, states, it, it states the points better than I would have. So I felt that it was better just to, to read it aloud. And as I mentioned, I've been using CBD oil now for about two years. And I feel better as a result. I have noticed improvements in my anxiety. I have noticed that my fatigue doesn't happen as much as it did before. It's certainly less. My spouse, Andrea, has noticed my mood has been overall better. So I can subjectively confirm, you know, some of the, the positive points that were mentioned in that, in that long quote. Now, part of the, the issue with medical cannabis, and they, they highlight it in the next part of the, of the paper, is despite the fact that a, a number of people in our community are reporting that you know positive outcomes um, with using cannabis, whether it's smoked or oil or what have you, there is limited there's limited research on its impact on mobility. And a lot of the reported positive effects are still being investigated and it's not ironclad. So that's really important to note. And that's why I always stress that I would recommend you read this paper for yourself, find a few other ones, and probably find some articles that are negative about it as well. So you have a balanced view. I mean, I, I'm just a guy on the internet. I can tell you that it, it seems to be working for me. Um, but I don't know that. I mean, I've, I haven't compa compared MRIs pre and post. I haven't, you know, I, I don't have a lab in my basement where I can, you know, check through and make see, oh, see, this is day one and this is day 483 or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But it is interesting considering that it's an anti CBD is an anti-inflammatory an anti-inflammatory and obviously MS is a inflammatory disease so I mean it would make sense that it would help but does it specifically I, I, I can't that I can't say so I just just important things to note as, as we go through this Now, the other important piece that I've personally found with, with having a medical prescription for, for cannabis and getting it from a licensed provider 
All things I would recommend, by the way, uh, so that you can have a reasonable level of certainty of what's going into your body. And I'd only recommend it if you're considering cannabis. I'm, I should step back and say I'm by, by no means promoting cannabis use. I think it's, it's, it's an individual thing. Everyone will react to it differently. And it's something you should investigate on your own and then make that choice. I mean, don't just listen to a guy on the internet or, you know, it's, it's an important to do the investigation on your own. Now, one of the, the important things that this particular paper brings up is mental health. Now, I know that there, are, there is some research primarily around THC, and you can get strains of marijuana that are very, very high in THC and have virtually no CBD. Now, that is Cheech and Chong stuff. That is recreational. That, that, I mean, that is to get you really high. And there is some research to suggest that THC in large quantities can have undesired you know, an undesired impact, and especially on your mental health with, you know, psychosis and that kind of stuff. So you have to be very, very, very careful. But on the flip side, CBD has been shown, and this particular paper, you know, alludes to it, to have had a beneficial impact on mental health. And it also notes that And this is a quote, over three quarters, 77% of people with MS that started using some CBD-related product indicated that they reduced how much they were using of their op opioid-based prescription drugs to deal with the mental health stuff. Now, for me, I don't, it's interesting for me, I was, um, about six years ago, I was investigated and told by a doctor that it was likely that I had anxiety disorder. I wouldn't go as far to say my anxiety can become crippling, but it's darn close. I have noticed in the two years since I started with medical cannabis, my anxiety, it's not gone. I mean, this isn't a magic, a magic pill, but it's, it's, certain, it's severely reduced. Do I get anxious at times? Sure. But is it to the degree that I used to? No. And at the time, I was told that I likely had anxiety disorder. Or that I, sorry, that I had anxiety disorder. They had prescribed me a pretty powerful drug for it. And when my wife and I went online and looked at the potential side effects, we mutually agreed that I wasn't going to take, I can't, I, I apologize, I don't remember the name of the drug. My feeling at the time was there was enough stuff going wrong with my nervous system. I didn't need to add this list of potential side effects. 
No, I don't know if it was opi op an opioid-based pharmaceutical or not. I can't. I, I, mean, I wish I could remember the name of it. But that was six years ago, and I, I've never taken it. And I've always found that I've managed my mental health and my anxiety. Initially, I managed it with running. But adding, you know, CBD into my daily treatment has definitely made a huge difference and it's even made it better. So between running, regular exercise, eating well, and, and, and you know, the CBD, I have it under control. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't dominate my life the way it used to. So if you're listening to this, odds are pretty good you have MS or you have a family member with MS. I mean, if they're struggling with, with mental health, which a lot of people in our community do, it's something to consider. But again, I can't stress this enough. Do the research on, yourself, on your own. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you're knowledgeable. Make sure you understand what it is that you're planning on doing. Because um, again, just a guy on the internet, not a doctor. You know, I am not, uh, I'm not a licensed anything. So I would not, certainly wouldn't take uh, anything I have to say. Um, I would take them as things that maybe you want to look into on your own, but definitely don't, don't take my word for it. Now, one of the, the neat things that's, well, neat, I don't know if that's the right word, but one of the things that the paper points out that I found interesting. They list five objections to the notion that cannabinoids should be used to improve the, mo the mobility in people with MS. And they include the following. Limited scientific evidence for the effectiveness of cannabis on people with MS. Or, uh, sorry, let me read that again. Limited scientific evidence for the effectiveness of cannabis on mobility with, in people with MS. Would I agree with that objection? Objection? Yeah. There isn't a ton. I mean, when you go, if you go into PubMed or look around. Now, if you just randomly use your search engine, and I recommend using DuckDuckGo, not one of the big ones. DuckDuckGo doesn't track you. All the privacy stuff, that's, that's a plug. I have no association with DuckDuckGo, but that's the one I use. Anyway, if you were to use your search engine and pop in... Cannabis multiple sclerosis and cannabis mo mobility multiple sclerosis. I'm sure you can find a whole host of websites that'll claim that it's magic, it's this, it's this. I'm taught what they're referring to, limited scientific evidence, is not only this paper, but papers like it. There aren't a lot of them out there. As somebody who looks a few times a year, there hasn't been a ton of studies done. So I would agree with there's limited scientific evidence. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. Just doesn't mean there's a lot of evidence for it. The second objection they note. Uncertainty of the legal status. That's a big one. I mean, that absolutely is a big one. Um, I know for years, you know, the first few years, uh, okay, well, let me put it this way. Until I became, until I got my prescription for it, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't really consider it. And the reason why 
was not because of the legality question. It was more, how could I trust what I was buying? I mean, if you're buying black market anything, how do you trust it? You know, there's no way to lodge a complaint. There's no way to get a... Re I mean, it's this is... I mean, you're, you're, you're effectively buying something from organized crime. So that always made me uncomfortable because what if it has something that could really harm me in it? And, it and then it really has the, the opposite effect of what I was looking for. So that's the second point, the second objection. The third objection. Social stigmatization, I can't apparently, I can't, stigmatization from friends, family, and authorities, such as employers, landlords, and law enforcement. This is another one that I have to admit I struggled with. Uh, I was, you know, I'm a, I just turned 42, so I was right around 40 when, when I got my prescription. As a 40-year-old man, I was nervous to talk to my parents about it. As a 40-year-old man, I was nervous initially about letting anyone know that I had a prescription. I mean, I remember, I can't remember what comedian it was. I think it was Norm MacDonald, actually. He had a joke where, you know, nobody starts smoking at 60, right? He delivers it a lot funnier than I, but there was a whole a whole bit he had about it. Well, I never started using cannabis until I was 40. And I was worried about letting people know because, I, I, you know, the, the negative stigma of the, of the lazy loser sitting in the basement just watching TV with his hand in a bag of potato chips. Like, I was, uh, I, I was worried about that perception. Now, interestingly enough, what I found was people were incredibly supportive as they started finding out. So now I'm not nervous about talking about it. I mean, heck, I'm broadcasting this on the internet. I mean, it doesn't bother me now. But what I found, there's two things that I found. The attitudes weren't as extreme as I thought they were. And the second thing is a lot more people use it, recreational, medicinally, or otherwise, than I ever would have guessed. You know, finding out that aunts and uncles that I would have never thought in a million years. In a million years. So, that was interesting. The perception of what the reaction was going to be, which was negative, and then the reality, which was overwhelmingly positive. So, you know, I, I, I dealt with that, and now I'm very comfortable talking about it. I'm open with my... Employers about it, I don't make any secrets about it. The fourth objection is also something I worried about. Incidents of dependency. You know, what I did become effectively addicted to it. Where I couldn't go through a day or if I had to, you know, go away for work or carry, you know, if I was going to be without it for a few days, would I, that was something I worried about. Now I'm not worried about it. Now, later on in the paper, and this is something to consider if you're considering medical cannabis for your multiple sclerosis. 
It's estimated, and they, and they note this in the paper, that around approximately 9% of people who use cannabis will become dependent on it. I can say in two years I haven't. I mean, I could go any amount of time and it wouldn't bother me. But it would bother me in the, in the sense that I would, you know, I like, I like what it seems to be doing for me, but I wouldn't be, you know, I could live quite comfortably if, it, if, if, I was, if I was denied access tomorrow for the rest of my life, it wouldn't have a, a, a huge impact, you know, in, in the way it would on an addict, right? But it's important to know, and, I, and I, now this is my opinion, this is not part of the paper. My guess would be that of those around 9% of people who become addicted to it, my guess would be most of those people would be people who are using cannabis for THC and to get high. Because since CBD doesn't have an obvious effect when you, when you take it, it's more long-term, it's more cumulative, um, that would be my guess. But dependency is something that you need to consider if you're considering it. And it's something you need to look into. And it's also something you need to monitor. And the fifth and the last objection that they note is the negative psychoactive effects of cannabis. And again, this more plays into THC. Now, it's important to note at this point, so my cannabis regimen, daily regimen, is I take a CBD only, CBD only oil in the morning, one milligram, and then I take a one-to-one -one CBD THC blend oil in the evening, which is 50-50. It's very low THC compared to like a high THC strain that somebody's gonna uh, smoke to get blottoed or whatever, but it's important to note there is THC in there. And all I find, what I do find is I feel a little bit of a physical effect in the evening, uh, but it really helps me sleep. And I don't know about how your MS has, has affected your sleep, but for me, I, I have a really difficult time sleeping. And over the last two years, being able to sleep a full eight hours where I'm out, other than when I have to get up to pee, I'm out. Like I... Um, that obviously has had a really positive effect. Now it is neat, neat to now this is kind of neat that CBD has actually been shown, and they note this in the paper. CBD has actually been shown to counter the effects of THC. So, important to note. I think I should read the last sentence of this particular of this particular part of the paper. And it reads, although a significant risk, and they're talking about addiction, although a significant risk this incidence of dependency is significantly lower 
than that of approved chronic pain management pharmaceuticals. Observing for cannabis dependency is suggested for all patients. Kind of what I already said, but it is interesting that the instance of dependency would be a lot lower than, say, something like it's opiate-based for some, that somebody might be taking for pain. And what I found overall with cannabis and medical cannabis is it's really mild and it's really, really, I, I, I've tolerated it well. I've never really had a side, I shouldn't say never really, I've never had a side effect from it. Which is a nice segue into the next chunk of the paper. And again, I'll just quote the, it's easier for me just to quote the paper. This is the very first sentence in the next section. Serious drug interactions have not been seen with CBD in combination with any other drugs. So as part of my MS treatment, uh, I went from Capaxone, and then my neurologist switched me to Tecfidera. So I've been taking Tecfidera and CBD oil in the morning in combination with no issues. So again, important to note that. Um, now, with anything that you're taking through your stomach, that's got to get processed for your liver. And depending on other pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals you may be taking, you know, you're going to want to get your liver enzymes checked. You want to want to make sure everything's being processed well. But for me, I haven't had any side effects of taking it with my, with my Tecfidera. The next section um, of the paper is just talking about the labeling and this is in the labels and the accuracy. And this is one of the big concerns I had with cannabis before I got my prescription and why I didn't use it. How do you know what you're getting? You can't go to a dealer like a pot dealer and say, Hey, do you have a high CBD strain? Chances are he doesn't or he or she, I shouldn't say he, he or she doesn't. Because people buy pot off dealers are looking to get high, generally speaking. So because I get mine from, again, from a licensed producer, licensed metal producer in Canada, I'm reasonably confident what's on the label is actually what I'm getting. I'm sure it's not exact, I, I mean, but I'm reasonably confident. So that's kind of the paper in a nutshell. Um, just wanted to share that with, uh, with the people who listen to this and, and say that, you know, if you're considering cannabis and you're in a place where you can get it legally from a licensed producer, I'd look into it. I would look into some of the, 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 the research that's been done, some of the literature, and talk to people about it. And, and maybe it's a, it's, it's a good choice for you. Maybe it's not. But maybe it is. I mean, I, I can only tell you my subjective experience has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, again, I was expecting a more of a negative reaction to my prescription. Um, but overall, overall, most people have been extraordinarily positive about it. And I sincerely believe that it's helped me be better. I, you know, I mean, right after I, 
right after I finish recording this, I'm going to jump on the treadmill and run for 45 minutes. So, I mean, I, I have no complaints. Now, all this stuff said and cannabis and it's wonderful and all great. Again, this is my opinion, but I, I think, at least I hope most doctors would back me. If you're expecting to take cannabis as sort of a magic bullet and just cannabis alone with no lifestyle modification whatsoever, you're kidding yourself. And I certainly don't want to present, and I hope I haven't presented this as some sort of miracle drug that's going to change your, your world overnight. If you're expecting that, you're going to be severely disappointed. What I can say is in the two years that I've taken it, I sleep better. Oh, generally, overall, I feel better. My mental health is better. But really important, I've supplemented that with some pretty extreme changes in diet. And I exercise regularly. You know, I run anywhere from 15 to 30 kilometers a week. And that's about to go up to 50 here as I get ready to do the next really long run for Tandemass next May, which is going to be a 100-kilometer run from Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta to Devon, Alberta through the Edmonton River Valley. But I would be, I would be, I would be misrepresenting if I didn't state that. You know, I think that can cannabis help people with MS? Yes, if it's part of an overall strategy. Your diet's in check. You got rid of, you, you, you're quitting all the processed garbage. Lots of, you know, lots of vegetables, lots of meat, healthy meat, right? Um, you know, just making sure that you get really, really good nutrition. You know, you're not smoking. I recently gave up alcohol, right? So I don't want to make put cannabis on an island by itself and say, yep, this is it. This is what you need to do. This is your magic pill. Take some CBD oil every morning and everything will be fine. That would be disingenuous. And so please, please hear the fact that it's got to be part of an overall strategy. I mean, one of the things that running does for me, it's meditative. I go for an hour run, and I don't even listen to headphones anymore. I'm just in my own thoughts, working through things. And not just MS stuff, just life stuff, everything. You know, what do I want to do better for the kids? What do I want to do better for my wife? What do I want to do better for me? What other changes could I make? What things are coming up am I excited about? What problems do I have that I need to work on? All that stuff, I can work it through in a positive fashion as I'm just you know, plodding down the sidewalk. So very important to consider. Don't just jump in and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to smoke a joint and everything's going to be good. That's just not, that's not it. Now, a nice, another nice thing about CBD for me, CBD oil, I don't have to smoke anything. It's just an oil. It comes with a little, little syringy thing like you would get with children's Tylenol, right? So um, that's been 
really beneficial as well because obviously as a runner you don't want to be taking in a lot of carbons and things from smoking anything and uh So yeah, that's it. That's you know, the, the, that's this episode in a nutshell. I hope you found it useful. As I said, I'm going to leave the paper in the companion blog post on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Just look for episode 41. Go on there. There'll be a link to the paper if you want to read it for yourself. If you want to find more research like this paper, you just Google. I don't want to say that word. Use your search engine. Type in PubMed, it'll come up, click it, and then you can search all kinds of academic journals, papers, and a lot of them you can download for free. You can just find a free PDF, download, boom, you can read it. And now if you aren't that familiar with academic papers, some of them can get pretty sciencey. Usually you can get the gist of what they're talking about and what the results were, especially if there's a lot of charts and graphs and you know things like that from the introduction and from the conclusion and the discussion section in the paper will give you their findings if that's really what you're you're looking for so uh, keep that in mind anyways if you want to get a hold of me you have any questions about anything I talked about today or anything else you can email me at Sean S-E-A-N at ownmultiplesclerosis.com you can also find me on Twitter at ownmultiple sorry you can find me on Twitter at ownms.com1. That's O M. Man, I can't speak today. Holy cow. You can find me on Twitter at ownms.com1. That's O W N M S D O T and then the number one. Uh, you can find the Own Multiple Sclerosis page on Facebook. You can also find the Really Long to End MS page on Facebook. And if you're interested, at all and being part of the really wrong run to MMS next May. I haven't set the date yet, but it's happening. I've already been on the radio three or four times talking about it, so I really have to go through with it. You can go to really uh, long run to ndms.ca to donate. Send me an email if you want to be involved, whether you want to be a volunteer or support runner, you know, and just stand there with a pump. I don't know. If you want to do anything to do with it, Sean at multiplesclerosis.com. As always, you can find the YEGMS podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and on the MSME Radio Network. That's it for me. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks. <laughs>